You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. I mean, I think gold will double or triple from here. Gold doubles or triples from here, the mining stocks will go up 5 to 7x at least. So with your more speculative growth money, I think you should consider an allocation to mining stocks. And you can certainly achieve that without paying my fees by just buying the GDXJ or the GDX. Welcome back to Mining Stock Education. I am your host, Bill Powers. Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to engage the show, feel free to reach me at bill at miningstockeducation.com. Well, as the host of this show, I like to bring you a variety of perspectives and expertise. And one of the perspectives I like to bring to you is that of a gold stock fund manager. So I have a new guest for the show. His name is Lawrence Lepard of Equity Management Associates. He's based out of Boston and his fund focuses on investing in the gold space. And so I would like to welcome you to the show, Lawrence, and also congratulations. I was reviewing uh, your recent letter to investors and your fund was up nearly 97.9%. That's almost 100%. And if we compare that relative to the GDX, the GDX was up about 40%. The XAU was up about 51%. So you more than doubled uh, your competition there. Congratulations. So welcome to the show and tell us about your fund and how were you able to outperform the gold stock indexes? Sure, Bill. First of all, thank you very much for having me on the show and I appreciate the the introduction, um, the kind words. I I got a little lucky last year. I I don't think I can repeat that. That might be a one-time deal. But um, having said that, um, I will talk about how I do it, and hopefully it'll uh, be useful to your to your listeners. Um, so the first of all, the mining space is a very very tricky and difficult space, and I I say that based on some knowledge. I, I wasn't always in this area. I had a venture capital background, and I was an investor in technology stocks for 30 years. Uh, uh, probably the most successful piece was when I was in the internet from '95 to 2000. I kind of retired after that and was uh, just managing my own money. And when the financial crisis hit in 2008 and they printed a bunch of money, I thought to myself, boy, I know what this means. They're gonna, there's going to be inflation here. And so I pivoted and, and got into the mining stock area, gold and silver uh, uh, mining companies, and, and went to school and kind of learned about them. And I started by investing with some guys who knew them very well and learned from them and then started going to conferences. And it actually grew into a fund and a business. And it was very it was very successful for a couple of years in uh, uh, 09, 010. I uh, had great numbers, kind of 40% a year sort of stuff. And then I ran right into a buzzsaw uh, in uh, 11 wasn't quite so bad, but uh, 12, 13, and 14, and 15 were just a disaster. And I was absolutely convinced that we were going to have uh, long-term inflation. Um, and I still am, but I was wrong on my timing, and they managed to get everything going again on another credit cycle at a higher level. And so I was wrong. And it cost me a lot of money, but I'm stubborn and I'm pretty sure we're going to be right this time. So with that as a background, um, the way I manage this fund is I start off with kind of looking at what I call the emerging producers. I mean, first of all, all mining stocks are very risky and, you know, the Murphy's law applies in this business. I mean, anything that can go wrong will go wrong. And, um, you know, you can lose 100 percent of your money in these things. So. Uh, you know, anything with that kind of downside, you wouldn't do it unless you got substantial upside and, and you do. Um, but, but keep in mind that there's, there are no certainties in this game and, and therefore anybody who's in this game to, to not be heavily diversified amongst a number of names, um, you're nuts. 
um, because even the best people, you know, are going to occasionally pick a bad name and it's going to not work. And if it's 2% of your portfolio and it goes to zero, that's not going to kill you. But if it's 10 or 20% of your portfolio and it goes to zero, that's going to hurt. So with that as a background, that diversity is important. Um, the way, what I consider to be the, the best area on a risk reward basis in the mining stock game is to find what I call the emerging producers. And that is, they've got a, they've got a known resource, a 43 qualified resource. They've got, uh, they've, they've gone through the first round of CapEx and they're actually pouring and producing gold. Some for many years, some have just started doing that, but they're, they're in the process of generating positive cash flow. Um, you know, we'll talk about why all the companies before that have a lot more risk, but let me just say that, you know, if a company's got positive cash flow and doesn't have too much debt, it's hard for it to go out of business. And if over time things improve, stock price is going to go up, particularly if the metals prices improve. So to me, the, 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 the sweet spot in this game is, is emerging producers or producers that are growing or producers that are undervalued. Probably the safest part in the, of the game is the super major producers. Um, and they, you know, they have cash flow. They have a lot of diversity. Um, they're well, some of them are well run. Um, the issue there is they, they generally don't grow. In fact, they're having a very hard time replacing their existing reserves. And so that's continually a challenge for them. And they've got the law of large numbers. And if you're, you know, if you're investing in something like a, you know, a Ferrick, um, you know, and you've got a, you've got a market cap that's, I'm just looking up here, you've got a market cap that's, uh, you know, today $30 billion dollars. It's going to be hard to get a 10 bagger on a $30 billion market cap. In fact, it's not going to happen. Uh, and yet you've got some emerging producers that I invest in where a 10 bagger is possible. It's going to take five years perhaps to achieve that, but, but it is possible. So to me, the sweet spot is the small to medium company that's got a resource, that's got production, that's throwing off cash and management's good so that they'll be able to you know, grow the project, get new projects going, you know, and grow into being a major over time. And that's that's probably what I think that that emer- the producer area is probably sixty percent of the capital in my fund is there. Would you be willing to share any names that your fund invests in? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So so let's kind of go through some of my top names. And these are not all of them, but these are ones that I'm kind of comfortable sharing. Where I don't think anybody's going to get particularly hurt. Yeah, I just like these companies. They to me they they make sense. And some of them have some political risk. Don't get me wrong. But again, you know, I my biggest weighting in any name is probably four percent. And all of these are probably somewhere between one and four percent. So, if I'm dead ass wrong and one of these things goes to zero, which it could, um, you know, my fund goes down four percent. But I think if you know, I look at the quality of these bets, you know, they're not all going to go to zero. That's for sure. So, um, so I'll go through my favorite producers. Uh, let's see, just alphabetically, Asanco, very cheap over in Africa, but safe part of Africa, very well run, good company, going to grow over time. Um, you know, the market just missed it. Nobody's seen it. I'm kind of surprised. Uh, Endeavor Mining, also in Africa, very well run. Bigger, a little higher valuation, but I think will do well. Itty Mine is just crushing it in terms of production. Uh, Fortuna Silver, mines down in Mexico, uh, well run, same story. Uh, K92 and Papua New Guinea, been in that for a long time. I think it's got a long way to run. Uh, really like it. Uh, Grand Colombia, down in Colombia. Uh, Hummingbird, uh, the mine is in Africa. The company is actually located in London. Um, you know, selling at a very low multiple to cash flow. Again, just small. Nobody's really picked up on it. Um, you know, an undiscovered situation. Uh, Medusa Mining, um, got a mine in the Philippines. Again, very undervalued. Uh, Perseus Mining, they've got a mine in uh, in Africa. Um, um, cheap, very undervalued. Uh, Rocks Gold, um, also in Africa. 
Taranga, also in Africa, uh, T-Mac uh, up in uh, up in the Nordic part of um, the Yukon. Um, you know, some some problems with their with their plant in terms of processing throughput, but you know, a billion five invested in the market cap that's a third of that today, something like that. I looked it up, um, and I think they will solve their plant problems. You know, selling it under four times cash flow, and I think they can grow cash flow over time. Uh, Torex down in Mexico, um, Victoria uh, in Canada. Won't hold that one forever, but it's they, they just went to the first pour, and everybody believes they're going to have trouble with the process, and they probably will. But I'm always willing to, to bet that good management will solve those kinds of problems over time. So I, I'd be a buyer of Victoria here. Uh, West Dome obviously qualifies. It's not cheap anymore. I wouldn't buy it here, but I still hold it. I think it's got a bright future. Um, and then, there, you know, there were a bunch that fell into this category that unfortunately got taken out. Um, you know, I was an owner of Detour. I was an owner of Continental. Uh, Continental just got bought by Zijin. Uh, Detour just got bought by Kirkland Lake. Larry, when you have a position in these companies like Detour or Continental that are taken out, what do you want to see in that takeover bid? I mean, is it is it a bit of a disappointment because you were expecting that that rise once they go to first pour? Or that, that, are you that's happy? a great question, Bill, and it's 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 another one of the risks in the space, and it's it's very disappointing. I mean, I honestly think Continental could have doubled or tripled in value from the sellout price to Zijin. Um, I feel the same thing was true with um, Atlantic. Uh, I didn't mention that one, Atlantic, Santa Barbara. Um, Detour wasn't going to double or triple, but it was a, a good solid, you know, um, good solid holding. And, yeah, it's it's kind of disappointing sometimes when, you know, somebody, I mean, the, the management teams are bound to consider all offers if somebody comes in and offers you a premium of 30 40 50%. You know, sometimes you have to take it um, or you feel like you have to take it. Um, I honestly think that, you know, the Continental deposit and the Detour deposit and the Atlantic deposits were all so high quality that the buyer got one hell of a deal. Another one that fell into that category that really, where I really felt like actually got robbed was when Del Radian got bought by Orion. Um, you know, they, they, they just did a, they did a sweet insider deal there and it just wasn't right. And so that is one of the risks. You get a very good company that you think could be a 10 bagger. Somebody comes in and offers you a 50% or hundred percent premium, you know, 50% premium and you're making money, but you know, you feel like it's like kissing your sister. You're like, you know, shit, I was going to make 10 X and you tell me you're going to give me 50% up. You know, so um, that that does happen, and it's it's unfortunate when it happens. One way you can guard against that is you look for a tight share structure where the owners are, you know, long-term thinking people. And so, you know, if somebody does make an offer, the owners can always say no. Um, you know, we're not going to sell this thing until it gets to be a much higher valuation. Um, and there are, you know, companies out there that, that fall into that category. So, do you do expiration stocks in your fund? Yeah. So let's let's talk about the next two kind of categories. So. so so really the way I see this market breaks down, so you've got production, right? You've got, you got producers and you got kind of senior producers and medium-sized producers and junior producers. And I'm, I'm in the medium to junior because they've got more growth. Okay, I've, I've got a few seniors, but not many. I mean, I like, I like Ken Ross and I like Eldorado in the senior camp. Um, but below the producers, you've got the developers. And what's a developer? I, I define a developer as a company that has a proven resource. Um, so you know the gold, they've got gold in a 43101. Um, they've got to either have it completed or very close to completed feasibility study or pre-feasibility study. So you can kind of see the economics that say, all right, if we put this much of CapEx and this much time and, and you know, effort into it, uh, in two years, we'll be pouring gold and, you know, we'll produce these many ounces. And so you can kind of do a, 
an IRR and a, and, a, and a model that says, all right, this is what this is going to look like. Um, and you can, you know, then compare that to the market cap today and say, all right, am I going to get 5x my money or 7x my money or 10x my money, which is what you need to get to compensate you for the risk that it doesn't get built or there's a cost overrun or it takes longer or you don't get your permit or whatever it might be. So that's that's the next category that I'm involved with. And I'd say that's probably 25% of the portfolio. So if you call the producers 60%, you call the um, developers 25%. And then the next story, you, you were talking about exploration. I call exploration drill stories. So those are the guys. And in my portfolio, that's about 15%. So those are the people that have a nice piece of land that, you know, for either close allergy, they're near other mines, or um, they've got, you know, good geology that says there's gold here. And obviously put some holes in the ground that prove there's gold there. And they're trying to drill out the size of the deposit so that they can say, hey, look, we've got 5, 10, 15, 20 million ounces here. Um, and, and they lose money. They obviously have no production and they continually dilute you as they raise money to grow. But if, if they're successful in what they're trying to find, you know, the drilling money is well spent and the market value goes up, um, and it can go up rather sharply. Um, of course, then it can get ahead of itself and then you get, a, then you can get a correction when they transition from being a drill story to being a producer. And that's you know, part of what, People should Google the Lassonde curve and you'll see how, you know, it's, there are a lot of companies that you, you find them when they're early and small, they're good people, good, good dirt. They start drilling and the market value can multiply. I mean, a good example of that is, is Noho, which I was in way back when at a dollar a share and Quentin started finding good gold and talking, you know, he did a big show at the Denver gold show, and, you know, showing guys pulling nuggets out of the ground and, you know, stock went from one to nine. And I sold it four and five, six, seven, and I was pretty much all the way out of it by by the time I got to eight or nine. And then, of course, you know, he didn't turn it into a mine right away, and it round tripped and went from eight back down to two or three. I don't know. Look at the price right here. But um, so, so the drill stories, you know, you've got to remember that at some point in time, you know, they become overvalued um, relative to where they are because, and then they've got to go build a mine. And there's a there's a period of time when you know, it's very difficult to um, to invest. You know, you don't want to invest in a drill story when it's transitioning from being a drill story to being a development story because it can lose a lot of money. But I'll offer you a couple of names in both of those categories that I've been involved with and that I like. Um, you know, and, and these all, trust me, these all have a lot of risks. So, you know, if it's a very conservative investor, you shouldn't be playing development stories. But um, there's, um, I'll just go down in order of, you know, alphabetically here. Um, I like Amarillo gold. They have a project down in, uh, in Brazil, uh, full disclosure. I'm a board member of the company. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm biased. Uh, I like Arcana gold. It's, uh, I guess he just did an interview with, um, Kevin Drover, the CEO. They're out in uh, Colorado. Uh, Arcana corporation though. So. Arcana corporation. I'm sorry. My, my bad. Um, they're trying to restart a mine, the Ure mine, which has been a very, very good mine for many, many years and got shut down. Um, I, I really like Arcana a lot. I like Alexco a lot, which is a silver mine up in Canada, a very, very high grades, excellent management team. Um, I like Cardinal, um, big resource over in Africa, um, need to get it financed. So there's some issues there. Uh, I like Marathon up in, um, uh, Greenland area, um, very good deposit moving towards uh, building a mine. I like Sabina in, uh, in the Yukon, Northern Canada area. Um, excellent deposit, you know, 50 year life on this mine. 
Um, great management team. Haven't gotten it financed yet. Uh, I like Pure Gold, which is up um, in Canada, a very safe jurisdiction, prior mine, getting it restarted. Um, and I like Rise Gold, which is a very speculative uh, situation, but but quite interesting. And I'm also on the board of Rise. It's uh, it's in California. It's a, a prior producing mine. It was the second largest mine in the United States in 1942. The government shut it down, and it hasn't run since. Well, it ran a little bit, but it hasn't run at full capacity since the government shut it down. And um, the issue there is they're working to get a permit, and the market thinks they can't get the permit. Um, I happen to believe that they can and will get the permit. And if they do get the permit, it's it's a very interesting situation because the the, the head grade, the average head grade over the life of the mine was 17 grams per ton. And the market, you know, and they were producing 120,000 ounces when they shut it down per year. And the market cap of the company today is about $10 million. So um, if they get the permit, um, you know, it could be it could be a significant return on your investment. If they don't get the permit, it could be a zero. So, um, you know, people should size their bet on that. If they want to make that bet, they should size it accordingly. But, um, you know, I, I think there's a high chance they get the permit. And therefore, I think that expected value is, is, you know, significantly positive. The recognition that, you know, if I'd, I'd rate it at kind of 10% they don't get the permit. So if the 10% hits, you know, we're going to lose our money. So, um, so that's, that's kind of a, uh, an overview of how I approach it. Um, and it's, you know, I, I go to all the trade shows, I meet with all the management teams, I read everything I can read, I subscribe to all the newsletters. And it's, you know, it's, it's difficult and nobody really knows anything for sure in this area. And it's all a matter of trying to, trying to weigh the probabilities as best you can. And, you know, I'm, I'm somewhat disadvantaged because I'm not a geologist and I really, I just don't understand the rocks, but I do know the questions to ask. I do know geologists that I can consult with and I do understand how to price risk versus reward. And so, you know, my view is with all these situations, you don't know what's going to happen. But you can figure out if the bet you're making is a expected, you know, mean expected value that makes it worth making the bet. And the reason, the way I was able to beat the the indexes is the indices just have to include everything. There's a lot of junk, and so you know, once you you know, when you go through the indices and you look what's in there, you know, that's a shitty company, that's a shitty company, that's a shitty company. Once you take all those out, you know, it's that's how you do better, right? You you buy the good companies and just don't buy the shitty ones. As you're talking to other colleagues in this industry and you're attending these shows, is there any anecdotal stories that you could share with my listeners uh, that kind of speaks to where you think we are in this junior gold sector? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'll, I'll give you my view on that. I'm not sure it really comes from the anecdotal stories. I mean, I, I know a lot of people really don't believe in this bull market. I mean, I've, I call it battered gold bull syndrome. I mean, if you know, if, <laughs> if you look at the history... If you look at the history from 2012 to 2015, I just felt like I was getting face punched in every day. It was just awful. Um, in 2016, we kind of came out of the out of the hole and had a big up year. Uh, I was up 75% that year. The indice is about the same. At one point, everyone was up about 150%, and then it all you know then it all came crashing back down, went back to sleep. And so I think a lot of people in looking at this year's rally, you know, we broke out last summer when we came through 1365. I think a lot of people say, well. It's just 2016 all over again. We're never going to get anywhere. And I think they're making a mistake in that view. I think that the monetary conditions, and this is something I do know a lot about because I've been an investor and I have an economics degree and background. Um, I think the monetary conditions this time are really going to shove gold, not just to 1700 or 1900, but to 2000 or 3000, 4000. 
And I can assure you that if, you know, if that happens, um, it's almost like you're, you're going to have a hard, you know, you could buy shitty companies. You're going to make money. I mean, this whole area is just going to, it's going to boom to the upside. Um, you know, obviously the better companies will do, will do best, but, but the point is that, you know, there's, there's an enormous difference. I mean, I was a very good stock picker and I beat the averages between 2012 and 2016, but I still lost money because the price of gold was soft and the, and the, and the mining stocks reflected that and they were going down. So, you know, you really more than anything else. I mean, the big, you know, the first thing you got to get correct in this whole area is you got to get the big macro, right? Which is, is the price of gold really going up solidly in a multi-year bull market? And if it is, and you commit to this area, you're going to do fine. Almost no matter where you are, you can buy the indices. You'll be fine. Um, you can buy some crummy companies. You'll probably do okay. But um, if, if you get that wrong, you know, then, then you're not going to make, it's going to be harder to make money or you, you want to make sure you're in the best company. So you got a better chance of making money. Um, you know, if the gold price is kind of choppy. Um, and I, I just wrote a letter on that, that um, maybe we can put a link up on your site or something. Sure. I'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah. To, anyone can subscribe to, um, or, or actually put a link with my email. If you send me an email, I'll put you on the mailing list. And I'll send you my fourth quarter letter because what it does is it, it, it makes the argument for why, uh, and I strongly believe this, we are in a multi-year bull market for gold. That, that in spite, you know, I, I have people say to me, well, shoot, you did really well last year. I wish I was there. I, it's too late. You're up 100%. I missed it. No, I, I strongly believe that's the wrong way to view it. Um, I mean, we could go down, I could probably go down 30% in the first six months of this year. I don't doubt that. But this is a multi-year bull market. And the reason I say that is the monetary conditions are making it so. If you look at the repo blowout, if you look at the government finances, if you look at the need that they have to continue printing money, and then if you look at the risk that, you know, we get a Democrat in the, you know, running the country next year, um, and I'd say that's higher than people perceive, that, you know, people think Trump will win. I don't, I don't think that's necessarily true. Um, and every single Democrat is talking about spending more money, MMT, you know, forgiving debt, et cetera. All of these things will, will really fuel inflation. And, and it's perfect. I mean, there was a, there was a business week cover, you know, six, six months ago that, you know, said inflation is dead. I mean, the psychology is, you know, we've had 30 years of a deflationary environment. We're never going to have inflation again. Well, you know, that's that's true. We have had 30 years of deflation, and there's been things, there have been things that have caused that, you know, the China price and technology and so forth. But I, I think to then conclude that we'll never have inflation again is mistaken. And I think we are going to have inflation again. I think gold is going to reflect it in a big way. And so you know, if you have that as, as the backdrop to the way you're looking at this area, you know, you need to have some allocation to this area. I will put Larry's contact information in the show notes below. And Larry, if there's someone listening to us that wants to inquire specifically about your fund, what can you share? Well, it's, um, I can only take money from accredited investors. The government makes it that way. And I only have a certain number of slots. So I have to have a minimum of $50,000, which I know is kind of large and unfair to some people. But um, you can get in or out on the first of any month. Um, the fees are 2% management and 20% carried interest. You know, I'll be doing, I'm 62. Um, I've got a, you know, I've, I've got a background in investing for my entire life and professionally running much larger funds. Um, most, a, a big portion of the fund, not quite half of the fund is my own money. You know, it, it uh, you know, none of us know for certain what's going to happen here, but, and, and I would never suggest to anybody that they put enormous amounts of their capital into something as risky as gold mining stocks. I, I think, you know, the first thing one should do if one's worried about inflation and monetary debasement, you should start off by having gold and silver coins under your control. 
but to the degree you want to be more aggressive and then try to you know earn slightly higher. I mean, I think gold will double or triple from here. If gold doubles or triples from here, the mining stocks will go up five to seven X at least. So with your more speculative growth money, I think you should consider an allocation to mining stocks. And you can certainly achieve that without paying my fees by just buying the GDXJ um, or the GDX. Um, you know, they, they're, they're indices, they're broad. Um, you know, it'll, it'll protect against the possibility that a company fails because there are just so many companies in those indices. indices. So, um, but if you, if you want to try and even beat that, well, then, you know, there are guys like me that, that you know, specifically pick names and um, so on and so forth. And, and from time to time, you know, I, I, I can point out and I do in my newsletters, you know, companies and names and ideas that I think make a lot of sense. I mean, it, you know, for, for the non-risk averse, um, you know, I think taking a hard look at Rise Gold is, is, is worth doing. I mean, I see it as a, you know, it's 20 to 40 extra money on the upside versus a 1x downside. So, you, you know, you can lose one times your money. You know, you could make 20 to 40. You know, I think the 20 to 40 is, I feel like it's a 90% shot of it. You know, I'm probably being optimistic. Maybe, maybe it's a 70% shot of it. Um, all the same, you know, run those numbers and that's still a bet you should take. If you could find five or 10 bets like that, you should take them all knowing that, you know, 30% of the time you lose, you lose your money. So, um, so that's, that's kind of the, you know, the way I approach it. And, um, you know, I'm happy to help anybody email me with questions and stuff about companies and so on and so forth. I, um, you know, I feel like in the sector, there, there are a lot of people who, you know, are, are kind of, uh, I don't know. They're, they're pump and dump guys and they're, they're guys in the sector who aren't necessarily that good. <laughs> and I hate to, I hate to see people follow them. And I hate to see people get hurt. And it, and it is a tricky area. I mean, it's, and, and people should not, you know, people should not let their greed get the better of them. I mean, they should, you know, you gotta, you gotta consider it, you know, and you, know, you gotta consider and, and that's the other thing you gotta take, you gotta take a multi-year strategy, you know, strategy on it. I mean, it's, I mean, get the macro right first. Um, and if we're right, if we're right about gold prices going higher, then that's going to make up for a lot of sins on the stock picking side. Um, although I don't intend to commit the sins on the stock picking side, I'm just saying for everybody in general looking at this. And uh, as I say, my newsletter talks about why I strongly believe we've got the macro working in our favor right now. Well, thank you for joining me today, Larry. And I should also say you can follow Larry on Twitter at Lawrence Lepard at Lawrence Lepard, and you can get Larry's um, hour-by-hour thoughts via in Twitter form in 280 characters or less. Oh, thank, thank you, Bill. Yeah, I, I would just say, actually, if you if you actually take the time to go back through my Twitter feed, you'll see I give a lot of clues. You know, whenever I see something obvious, I, I try to give clues on companies. So take it for what it's worth. Excellent. Well, thank you for coming on Mining Stock Education today. Great. Thank you so much, Bill. I really appreciate the platform. Take care. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. 
concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can. Do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on MiningStockEducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.